It's Monday, April the 18th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, catch up, Mariupol clings on, and Ukraine asks for more money. First, the world in brief. A deadline set by Russia demanding that Ukrainian troops in Mariupol surrender or be killed passed. If that were carried out, it would mean the end of peace negotiations, said Vladimir Zelensky, Ukraine's president. Kremlin forces claim to be in control of all of the port city's urban areas, with pockets of resistance remaining in the enormous Azovstal steelworks. Mr Zelensky conceded that the situation in the city is, quote, extremely serious. Meanwhile, missile strikes killed five people and injured 13 in Kharkiv on Sunday. The economic adviser to President Vladimir Zelensky, Ole Ustenko, said that war-torn Ukraine has asked G5 countries for $50 billion in financial support. The country is also considering issuing zero-coupon bonds, which do not pay interest but render a profit at maturity, to help cover the budget deficit created by the conflict with Russia. Ursula von der Leyen, the President of the European Commission, told Bild am Sonntag, a German newspaper, that the EU is considering placing sanctions on Spurbank, Russia's largest bank. Although America has already targeted the lender, the EU has so far spared it because of its role in clearing payments for the bloc's Russian energy purchases. More than 400 people have died in floods in South Africa that have caused at least 10 billion rand, $684.6 million, in damage. The floods knocked out power supplies and have disrupted operations at the port of Durban, one of Africa's busiest. Dozens of people are still unaccounted for. Pakistan complained that militants in Afghanistan have been increasing attacks on its security forces on the border between the two countries and called on the Taliban to take action. The comments came a day after Taliban officials blamed Pakistan for early morning rocket attacks along the border, which led to the deaths of five children and one woman. Police in New Delhi arrested 14 people after a Hindu celebration turned violent. Local authorities said that Muslim and Hindu groups threw stones at each other during a religious procession celebrating the birth of the Hindu god Hanuman. At least nine people were injured. It was the first serious violence reported in India's capital since rioting in 2020 killed 53 people. Iran confirmed it has moved a centrifuge facility to its Natanz nuclear site. On Saturday, the UN's atomic watchdog said it had installed surveillance cameras to monitor the site at Iran's request. The facility was previously based in Karaj, but had come under attack from strikes that Iran blamed on Israel. Talks aimed at reviving Iran's nuclear deal from 2015 have stalled. And fact of the day. 24 million. The size of the backlog of America's Internal Revenue Service at the start of this tax season.
And now, here's today's agenda. What further sanctions could the West impose on Russia? President Joe Biden has promised to, quote, ratchet up the pain for Vladimir Putin over Russian atrocities in Ukraine. The EU has made similar vows. But what other economic weapons could the West wheel out? It could embargo Russian oil and gas. But big importers such as Germany and Italy are wary of pulling that trigger. Pressure is growing on the foot-draggers to accept some sort of blockade, such as tariffs on hydrocarbons or the use of escrow accounts to stop payments from funding Russia's armed forces. Also in the arsenal are secondary sanctions, which would penalise people from other countries that trade with Russia. The big question is how China would react. In the past, it circumvented sanctions on Iran and North Korea by trading through small Chinese banks with few Western links. But Russia's economy is much more globally connected. And the stakes this time round are a lot higher for China and the West. April showers at the IMF. The spring meetings of the World Bank and the IMF kick off on Monday under a dark cloud of economic and geopolitical uncertainty. The Eminences Gris, convening in Washington, or participating virtually, include the finance ministers and central bank chiefs of the world's big economies, plus those of Ukraine. They have plenty to discuss. Soaring food and energy prices are pushing up inflation and weighing on growth. New forecasts released by the IMF on Tuesday are likely to show a sharp deterioration in the world economy's growth prospects. Trying conditions are pushing many heavily indebted emerging markets to the brink of insolvency, like Sri Lanka, which said on April 12th that it would default on its foreign debts. Draconian COVID-19 lockdowns in China and Russia's increasingly vicious war in Ukraine could create further destabilising shocks in the months ahead. There are no easy solutions to the world's current problems. Officials will instead discuss how best to limit the damage. Russian commodities race to America. A race is on. When America banned imports of Russian oil, gas and coal on March 8th, the delivery deadline for existing contracts was set for April 22nd. Tankers carrying Russian fossil fuels have been ramping up their schedules, many arriving at American ports in recent days. But not every ship that has made a dash for it will succeed. Kepler a firm that tracks trade in commodities, says it now looks like the Star Challenger, for example, will not get its load of coal from Murmansk to Louisiana in time. Shipping is a notoriously opaque industry. In recent weeks, many vessels linked to Russia have switched off their transponders. This could be a sign of sanctions busting. But plenty of ships need not bother. Only a few countries have sworn off imports of Russian fuels. Statista, a data firm, 
forecast that Russian energy exports will reach $321 billion this year, 36% higher than in 2021. An unholy weekend in Israel and Palestine. For nearly 11 months, violence in Israel and Palestine has largely abated, thanks to a ceasefire agreement. That came under threat over the weekend. The flashpoint, as is so often the case, was the Al-Aqsa Mosque in East Jerusalem. Israeli police entered the building on Friday and again on Sunday, arresting a large number of Palestinian youths. They were accused of throwing rocks at Jews praying at the adjacent Western Wall. The violence followed a wave of terror attacks in Israel on a weekend when the religious festivals of Easter, Passover and Ramadan happened to coincide. A year ago, similar clashes at the mosque were partly responsible for triggering 11 days of warfare in Gaza. Both the Israeli government and Hamas, a Palestinian militant group, claim not to be interested in a new conflict. But the dynamics of an escalation towards one are already in place. A film festival from the African diaspora. The 30th annual Pan-African Film and Arts Festival kicks off on Tuesday in Baldwin Hills, Los Angeles. Over 100 artworks and 200 films by artists from the African diaspora will debut. These include Remember Me, a biopic of Mahalia Jackson, a gospel singer, and Amaru, a short film inspired by the life of Tupac Shakur, a late rapper about a 19-year-old who is impervious to white supremacy. Baldwin Hills is a symbolic location. So many wealthy African-Americans have flocked there since the 1960s that it is nicknamed Black Beverly Hills. African-American representation in Hollywood is increasing. The Academy Awards have made efforts to become more inclusive and museums are acquiring more works by black artists. To celebrate its own contributions over the last 30 years, PAF collaborated with IKEA, a Swedish furniture maker, on a project titled All Artists Have a Seat at the Table. That is slowly coming true. Daily Quiz Aberistas will serve you a new question each day. On Friday, your challenge is to give all five answers and tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Monday. What term is used for warm alcoholic drinks, often consumed in winter, where sugar, spice and fruit have been added? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Albert Einstein, who died on this day in 1955. 
blind obedience to authority is the greatest enemy of truth. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.